Hi, my name is Andy Chamberlain. I'm a writer and creative writing tutor, and you are listening to the Creative Writers Toolbelt, the podcast that gives you practical, accessible advice that you can apply straight away to your own writing. And welcome to the podcast, especially if you're joining us for the first time after hearing my conversation with Nisi Shaw and Daniel Jose Older in episode 60. I've been amazed at the amount of interest that that episode has generated, amazed and pleased because the subject that we discussed, writing the other, and in fact reaching out to the other, is so important for today. So to all of you, whether this is your first or 61st episode or somewhere in between, welcome. Now, I've spent the last dozen or so episodes looking at the issue of character and characterization, and today I'm going to move on to another dimension of the art of creative writing, and that's setting. And in this introductory episode, we're going to start to explore what setting is and what we have to do as writers to make sure that the setting for our work is effective. Perhaps we should start by defining setting. Setting is a place in time and space, and it might be one place or many places where your story happens. It's the moment or moments in history, and that could be future history, the past, the present, where the story is set. So, for example, Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice is set at the turn of the 19th century in Hertfordshire and London. Ernest Hemingway's book The Old Man and the Sea is set in the late 1940s and mainly in a little fishing boat off the coast of Cuba near the capital Havana. Winter in Madrid by C.J. Sampson is set in that city in 1940, just after the Civil War. Some books are set over two or more time periods. So Ian MacDonald's Brazil, for example, is set in that country across three time periods, 2006, 2032 and 1732. Possession by A.S. Byatt is set in both contemporary and Victorian eras. Some books are set in places we know and could visit, and others are set in places which are either fantasy, like Middle Earth, or are a kind of amalgam of the world that we know and the fantasy world of the author. And a great example of that would be the world of Harry Potter. But while there are a wide range of possible settings for a story, there are only two absolutely fundamental requirements for a setting to be successful. Now, I tried to think of others. I've tried to make it three because three is a nice number. But if we're talking about what is absolutely core to the success of a story, I think the setting setting has to have just two qualities and they are one the setting must be credible and two the setting must be immersive so i'm going to spend pretty much the rest of this podcast exploring those two qualities first of all the setting must be credible let's look at why a setting needs to be credible first well the oxford english dictionary defines the word credible as able to be believed or convincing Now, this definition nicely encapsulates why I chose the word credible. The setting has to be capable of being believed. It doesn't have to be true. It doesn't even have to be true to life. But it has to be an environment that the reader can believe might exist. The reader has to trust that that setting could be real. And for this to happen, the setting must be consistent within itself. And it must not contain any obvious errors, which, if the reader spots them, would throw her out of the story. Let's think about why it's important for the setting to be internally consistent. Now, the fact is readers make all sorts of assumptions about a setting when they start in a story, especially if it's a genre story like a fantasy or a police procedural or perhaps a historical novel. So to give you some crazy examples about why this is so important, just imagine reading The Lord of the Rings and finding that when Gandalf is stuck on the top of the tower at Isengard, he just gets his cell phone out and calls for help. That might be temporarily funny, but in the long term, it completely destroys the consistency 
consistency of the setting. Or imagine a police procedural where there are simply not enough clues for anyone, the characters in the story or the reader, to have any chance of working out who the murderer is. Or maybe you have a Regency love story in which the lovers start to communicate with each other by text. Now, there are some occasions where these inconsistencies are a specific conceit of the story, and that's fine. But if they're not, it's going to jar the reader. And the same is true with simple factual errors. If you set your story in London, for example, and have your character walk from Waterloo Station to the National Theatre on the South Bank in 10 minutes, that's believable. That distance, in reality, is less than half a mile. We can believe that somebody would take about 10 minutes to walk that distance. But let's suppose that you have your character walk from Waterloo Station to Camden Market in 10 minutes. Now, those readers who don't know the distance between those two points might not think about it. But anyone who does know that distance, and I can tell it's about three miles will suddenly be thrown out of the story because they'll be thinking hang on this character's just taken 10 minutes to walk that distance they must have been walking at about 20 miles an hour which is crazy now the point is that as soon as your readers spot something which is an error or an inconsistency they're thrown out of the story and they might not come back the same is true if you mention a fact in your story that is just plain wrong. If your story is set in 1966, for example, and includes the moment when all the characters stop because President Kennedy has just been shot, then many of your readers are going to be jolted out of the story because they know full well that Kennedy was shot in 1963. Unless this inconsistency is a deliberate part of your story and you're aware of it and you're going to explain it somehow, the reader will be jolted out of the story and will not trust your story so well in future. You can think of the setting of your story as a seat that your reader sits in. The question your reader will be asking, albeit subconsciously, is can this seat hold me? Am I safe in it? Can I trust it? If the reader sees something inconsistent or wrong, it's the literary equivalent of that seat collapsing under them. So your setting has to be credible. And the second thing it must do is be immersive. Now the adjective immersive derives from the word to immerse and the dictionary definition of immerse is to involve oneself deeply in a particular activity or interest. And to continue with my seat analogy, the seat that is your setting certainly must be able to hold the weight of your reader but must also be comfortable. So the reader must not only trust your setting, they must also be able to lose themselves in it. And to do this, your setting must have the necessary richness of detail to capture and enthrall we're going to explore this challenge in more detail over the next few podcasts, but for now we can look at three elements to create the immersive setting. First, an immersive setting tends to be one that captures the reader early. In previous episodes I've talked about the way in which some of the great stories that we've read immerse the reader pretty much immediately. For example, Daphne du Maurier's book Rebecca captures the reader right at the start. Even the first sentence is a wonderful example of how to immerse the reader immediately. And that first sentence is this. Last night, I dreamt I went to Manderley again. With these few words, the writer gives Manderley, the house that features as the main setting of the story, a mystique that attracts us as readers. The line also tells us that the narrator has been to Manderley before and that this place has a hold on her imagination. We immediately want to know why that is the case. Similarly, J.R.R. Tolkien starts his book, The Hobbit, by placing us in a setting with the specific use of the sense of smell and touch to get us right into that story straight away. This is the first few lines from The Hobbit. In a hole in the ground there lived a hobbit. Not a nasty, dirty, wet hole filled with the ends of worms and an oozy smell. Nor yet a dry, bare, sandy hole with nothing in it to sit down on or to eat. It was a hobbit hole, and that means comfort. 
Do you see how Tolkien uses the sense of smell and touch with the description that includes sand and worms and dirt and dampness? And as a contrast, the passage finishes with the idea of comfort. So I hope you see in those two examples how, at the very beginning of the story, the respective writers draw readers into the setting and has used sensory language to assist with this. And that's the second feature of the immersive setting. Now in her book, The House of Shattered Wings, Aliette de Baudard uses vivid and sensory description to present the fall of an angel. Here's one paragraph from that book. It is almost pleasant at first to be falling. The harsh, unwavering light of the city recedes, leaving you in shadow, leaving only memories of relief, of a blessed coolness seizing your limbs. Nothing has yet turned into longing, into bitterness, into the cold that will never cease, not even in the heat of summer. Do you notice how within this passage we have the senses of touch through heat and cold and sight through light and shadow and pleasant sensation is contrasted with bitterness and as a background we have the city that is the environment in which the story plays out. So sensory language, specific sensory description is very important in immersing your reader in the setting. The third and final feature of the immersive setting, and perhaps the most important one, is the need to create a setting with a particular style, a particular fashion. This will involve a whole range of elements within the setting, but it's the effect of the whole that matters. Let me give you some examples of what I mean. We're attracted to the sweep and majesty of the whole of Middle-earth in The Lord of the Rings. We feel drawn to the mystery and wonder of the world of Harry Potter. And we sense the mood and feel of hope and desperation in the world of Pan Am in The Hunger Games. There are examples too from other media, TV, comics, cinema. We sense the dark and sprawling feel of Gotham City in the Batman franchise, the galactic stretch and variety of the Star Wars universe, and the homely unpredictability of the TARDIS in Doctor Who. You can probably think of examples yourself in books and TV shows and films that you've enjoyed. It is this overall feel of the setting that is so important to the story and it's achieved not simply by throwing together a whole range of elements but by ensuring first that your setting is credible, that readers can trust it and then that it is immersive, that the specific descriptions, especially the sensory descriptions, place your reader into the setting and familiarise them with the tone and feel of it, the flavour and style of the environment that you've created. And you need both of these factors, the credible and the immersive. A credible setting that is not immersive is like a chair that's sturdy enough and that you can trust, but pretty quickly you get uncomfortable in it because it's not a chair that you can spend any amount of time on. Conversely, an immersive setting that doesn't have credibility is like an old saggy sofa. You can certainly sink into it, but you might find yourself falling through the bottom of it and onto the floor because it just can't take your weight. So the best setting, to take this analogy a little bit further, is like a sturdy but comfortable armchair. It can hold you, but it's also a place that you're happy to sit in for as long as you want to. So, to sum up, there are just two fundamental qualities that a setting must have for it to work well. It must be credible and it must be immersive. If we take credibility first, there are two aspects that we've explored in this podcast. First, that the setting is internally consistent with itself and with the genre in which it's working. And second, that it's free of obvious factual errors that will jolt the reader out of the story and make them distrust what you're saying. The second crucial aspect is that the setting must be immersive. 
and we've looked at three interrelated aspects of this. First, it's a good idea for the setting to draw the reader in early and well. Secondly, and connected with this, a setting is more powerful, like so many other dimensions in the art of creative writing, if it uses sensory language to lure the reader into the environment. And finally, the setting must have a recognisable style and flavour that captures the reader. So that's it for this episode. I hope you found this useful. Today, I have quoted from the following works. The Oxford English Dictionary, published by Oxford University Press. Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier, published by Virago. The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien, published by HarperCollins. And the House of Shattered Wings by Eliette de Baudard, published by Galance. That's all for now. I'll get some show notes up on Pinterest for this episode. We also have a group on Goodreads. Just go to goodreads.com and look up the Creative Writers Tool Belt there. Or you can go to my website, www.andrewjchamberlain.com. Drop me a line. I love to hear about the projects that listeners are working on. And so until next time, as ever, thank you for listening and goodbye. Mm-hmm.